You are listening to Geek Fest Rants on the IC Robots Radio Network. You have located Geek Fest Rants, the entertainment podcast for genre geeks like you. Shall we play a game? Covering the world of vintage and current film and television since 2010. Game over, man. Game over. Featuring in-depth conversations on sci-fi, horror, fantasy, comics, toys, and conventions. So say we all. So say we all. And now sit back, relax, and enjoy today's show. Sir, Ensign Spock, reporting for duty. No need to shout. Ensign Spock. The Enterprise picked up a distress call from the USS Bauman. I need you to let me out of here. You're a prisoner. Your orders carry no weight anymore. When this is all done, we'll never see the inside of a starship again. People don't talk in elevators. I've observed that, sir. Fascinating. Which version of the OS are these ship's computers running? Do the food synthesizers use the Gupta or the Katzman glucose matrix? Have you ever considered that the Prime Directive is not only not ethical, but also illogical? Do you like eggplant? People call them triples. Pretty darn cute. Aww. There's been a lab breach. I made one of the most important discoveries of our time! Don't show any weakness, or they will eat you alive. (laughs) Good luck out there, Captain. everybody and welcome once again to GeekFest Rants. My name is Carlos Perone and today once more I have Andrew Gaska joining me. We are going to discuss the topic of Star Trek from the angle of how some people don't seem to accept change in the world of Star Trek or modifications or growth in Star Trek. We are going to focus on a couple of major themes. One of them includes the progression of the Klingon look of the show, where you've seen Klingons in different type of prosthetic makeup and how they've evolved during the years. Then how the timelines of Star Trek function in terms of the Kelvin versus the Prime timeline. And we'll touch upon a little bit on the show The Orville, how some anti-Trek people seem to gravitate towards that show and claim that it is the only true Trek around. So let's step into the world of Star Trek. Television is not the truth. Television is an amusement park. Television is a circus, a carnival, a traveling troupe of acrobats, storytellers, dancers, singers, jugglers, sideshow freaks, lion tamers, and football players. We're in the boredom-killing business. All right, well, thanks again, guys, for joining me. I have with me Andrew Gaska. He's been with us a few times. How are you, Andrew? Oh, very good, thanks. 
Well, I've asked Andrew to come and join us today, and we're going to switch topics. I know we've we've done uh, we've done some ape stuff, and now I want to hit him with Star Trek, which is you know one of the many obsessions that we all have. I've been on the Star Trek bandwagon for a long time, so has Andrew. And Andrew has actually uh, posted a couple of articles uh, on his blog about a specific subject. And obviously, we've talked about in the past with other people about the, the, the negative reaction that some people are having to Star Trek Discovery. I don't feel that way. I, I'm actually enjoying the show. Uh, to me, it's, it's, a, it's practically cinematic, the way that they present it and, and how hooked I am on the show. But one of the early and... Not so much this second season, because they kind of backed off the Klingons a little bit. But during that first season, one of the the go-to, you know, sticks to beat over the head, you know, of Discovery was the Klingons. Oh, my God, they look different. This is it. I can't take it anymore. The show is over. I quit. You know, that kind of reaction some people had. Uh, now, Andrew, why don't you tell us a little bit about both the the real reason why they look different, you know, the technical reason why they look different, and the universe reason of why they look different let's start off by saying this is not the first time the klingons have looked different uh, <laughs> really <laughs> you know this <laughs> i remember in 1979 i remember being seven years old and i had been watching star trek with my dad since i was five and going to the theater and recognizing the klingon ship and then being like who are those guys flying those ships <laughs> you know suddenly the klingons had lobsters on their heads <laughs> um, and we were just supposed to accept it. And there was a lot of fan confusion about it. And Gene at Roddenberry actually joked about how um, the, the Klingons we saw on the classic show were Southern Klingons and that these were Northern Klingons, <laughs> which is a ridiculous idea in the way he put it. But still, you know, that's how much he cared about it. He didn't. They could do makeup that he wanted to do. And it's actually makeup that he had they had done for a pilot of Gene's called Planet Earth. And that's where the lobster head first came from. And he liked that makeup, and since Planet Earth didn't go anywhere, he wanted to apply it to the Klingons, because now he could. So that's why we got different Klingons. And it, the funny thing is, is if you take a look at the makeup in the first movie, it's very different than what we got in Star Trek Three, which is the next time we see the Klingons. Mm -hmm. uh, it's much more rigid looking. It doesn't look as organic as it does in Star Trek Three, And obviously Star Trek Three was the template for what they used for next generation. But even with that, Worf's head is not like their heads. Worf's head became more like the Star Trek three heads as it went along. But Worf's head originally looks like a light bulb. Um, <laughs> and it even developed season to season. They, they tweaked the makeup quite a bit from the first season to later on. They, they, they diminished it a little bit. Right. But I mean, I, I can understand why fans are like, well, as Klingons get older, their ridges change. Okay. Oh, okay. You know, they, 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 <laughs> we can come up with that. That's fine. Um, but there was no reason for the switch to the lobster heads for 25 years. I was a big role player, and the Star Trek role-playing game from FASA was amazing. And they had explained it, and I think the actual explanation came from Ford's novel, The Final Reflection, because I think he, he wrote the Klingon supplement for the Fable. Oh, okay. Yeah. And it, it, basically it was that the Klingons, when they first encountered humans on the, their frontier, they didn't know how to deal with them. So they made human Klingon fusions. Mm. Um, and so that's what those were supposed to be in the classic series. But when the fusions failed to defeat the humans, they went back to they stopped that those experiments. 
So that was what I just assumed it was for many years, and so did many hardcore fans. But then Core and Koloth, you know, our Klingons from the classic series, showed up on Deep Space Nine with ridges on their heads. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, how do you explain that? Yeah, and and uh, John Colicos was. Uh, he went in for the makeup expecting completely just to get the, you know, an older version of what he got originally. And they started putting the Imperial, you know, ridges on his head. And he, he went to the producers and was like, hey, wait a minute, they're making a mistake. They're confused. And they're like, no, no, we want this. Do you remember there being a fan reaction as loud as today? Or is it today louder because of the Internet and because it's, of what we have? It's the Internet. I mean, it's, there were there's always been complaints. I mean, one of the things that, you know, this doesn't deal directly with the Klingons, but it deals with, you know, outcry about Discovery. There was outcry about Star Trek, too. And in fact, the person leading that outcry was Gene himself. <laughs> you know, Gene was not happy that all of a sudden you know, everything was militaristic and, and he was boycotting it. And then the movie, he was boycotting it before it came out. And the movie came out and everybody loves Spock's death and everything. And then suddenly Gene was like, oh, no, no, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's, uh, he, he had the only Star Trek movie he really had control over was the first one. Right. Um, after that, after that, they sank so much money into that and because they had to absorb the money from the pilots for the phase two series and all the development right. of the other movies like planet of the titans and all the stuff because they kept going, going back yeah they kept going back and forth back and forth which way should we go right so in the end that budget ballooned i mean star wars budget i think was 11 million yeah and the first motion picture budget was 40 million so, I mean, you know, it just sounds like nothing to us nowadays with the movie budgets nowadays, but you have to adjust for inflation and it comes out to some crazy numbers. So, right, right. So basically, yeah, so Gene had stuff taken away from him and Star Trek became you know, the fan beloved Star Trek 2, you know, which everybody swears by, but everybody was fighting it back then. Hmm. And the same thing happened with Next Generation. And I've even posted another one of my articles, excuse me, essays on my uh, blog. Yes. Talks about how Next Generation was bashed when it came out and actually have some newspaper articles posted on there from when that happened. The difference is the Internet. We have instantaneous gratification. We have the ability to instantaneously complain. There was a series of books. Oh, what the hell are they called? You may know what they are. Um, they were Star Trek fan books, which were just full of essays and, and stuff. Yeah, so that book series was like letters and essays that fans wrote whether they were fans that were professionals in the industry or just fan fans and it was all about you know how they felt about star trek and what was going on and this was published as books that would come out in regular bookstores but you know it would say trek something or other on it but the covers would never have the enterprise on it or anything because it was not an mm. official product right right, right. Um, and this is how people bitched back then uh, and and if you look at those essays in there, so many people complaining about every little thing that changed. So this was going on back then. It's or if just, you went to a convention and you hang, you hung around like in a certain room where a whole bunch of Star Trek guys would be, and you kind of overhear these conversations. Right, right. That and and another one, and, and actually that's how Gene was first organizing the boycott for Star Trek too. <laughs> uh, but and then there's also the letters column for Starlog magazine. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> well, where I mean, if you go back and look at some of that stuff, that's like right. people bitching completely about what are classics to us today. I mean, you know complaining about what Cameron did with aliens even, you know, it's just like, no, no, that's not what people feel anymore. And I think that's what's going to happen with discovery eventually. But next generation lasted so long and it, 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 you know, it, it morphed later into more different shows that I guess people got used to it. And then it didn't change that much during the, the run of next generation. We kind of got used to, you know, the, the wharf prototype, I guess, 
And it just kind of continued in that way. And whatever movies were happening at the time, if there were any Klingons, they kind of got in line with each other until we got to the J.J. film. Well, yes and no, because Star Trek V and Star Trek VI also have a different take on the Klingon makeup. Oh. Star Trek VI especially. I think they scaled it back a little. Yeah, They look a little more human, less hair, I guess. Yeah, so on Star Trek VI, Richard Snell, he was working on the makeup, and he was relieved that Nicholas Meyer gave him room to play with the Klingon makeup and change it up a little bit because he didn't want to do the same thing that had been done a million times. So what's interesting is that if, like, if you look at the makeup there, it doesn't, it's definitely not the same as the Star Trek III makeup. I remember being in the theater, I'm like, whoa, okay. This is different, but you just accepted it. They're much warmer flesh tones, for one. And if you look, their bumps are not as pronounced. And if you look at right, 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 uh, Christopher Plummer's character, especially, he's bald. You know, and that's right, that's right. So you know, the whole thing about the Discovery Klingons shaving their heads in times of war, and the fact that that guy was running around <laughs> talking about how he was a warrior all the time. You know, <laughs> he was a warmonger and he didn't, and his head was shaved. So, huh, does that work? You know, that makes sense. Yeah. There's, there's ways to tie this stuff into canon if you want. Or you can just look at everything that's different and say, I don't like things that are different. Maybe they went too far with the Discovery Klingons. I would say the Discovery Klingons are an evolution, even though it's not the, it's not this timeline, but they look a little more like the, the J.J. Abrams ones. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely an evolution in. In Design. designs and style, right. yeah, one hundred percent, and that's behind the scenes. But if you're going to look at it universe-wise, it's different. it's different. Yeah, yeah, and there's a couple of ways to look at that. There's no reason why there can't be. I mean, oh, well, first of all, to go back to the reason we finally got after twenty-five years of why the Klingons had changed from human-looking to lobster heads. That was in an episode of Enterprise where they made it a disease that had done that. Mm. It was actually the cure that made their ridges fall apart. They said in that episode that there's going to be several generations that Klingons would be born without ridges. So, you know, so they, they covered that up. But then, you know, it's like, um, I was thinking about it, and it's like, yeah, you know, there's a, it's science fiction, so there's a million ways you could look right. at this. But then they come back again. The ridges return way, way later, you know, for a while, you know, by right. the time we get to next generation. Yeah, well, so, e- even in the Star Trek motion pictures, you know, in that yeah, era. You're still there, yeah. yeah. There's a novel that, I think it's a Captain Sulu novel that Peter David wrote, maybe? I'm not sure. But regardless... They talk about how the Klingons found a cure to that, and that's why people, the Klingons were growing their ridges back. So they found a cure for the cure. <laughs> you know? yeah, well, yeah, I guess that you got to somehow bring it back. Now, didn't they touch upon this, not necessarily the cure, but the again, the question of what, what's the difference uh, during a uh, DS9 episode, which was the, the back in uh, traveling through time to the Tribbles episode, something, and they kind of got into that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, it, it, that was like, I mean, it was a genius way to handle it. Uh, <laughs> and it wasn't until Enterprise that they, you know, they, we finally got a cemented thing. But Right, know, this like, was more like a wink-wink. Yeah, yeah. Odo and everyone were like, those are Klingons? And Worf's <laughs> like, we don't like to talk about it. <laughs> so, and which was genius. <laughs> it, it, whatever you want is what that answer was. And that was beautiful. And there you go. we could have gone with, with just that. But, I mean, I do also like the Enterprise. I, I do like what... Uh, uh, Manny and uh, the Reeve Stevens were trying to do with the fourth season of Enterprise and that explain a lot of stuff that wasn't. So, you know, there's room for everything here. Um, and if you're going to look at the genetic thing, even it's possible that the Discovery Klingons look the way they do because the Klingon scientists were trying to get the ridges back and 
screwed up the genetics a little more. You don't know. Yeah, it's it's on one of those first episodes. You know, what was it like? Make Klingons Klingon again or yes. something like that? <laughs> yes, yes, one hundred percent. Not to open up a can of worms. Yeah. <laughs> oh, totally, totally. <laughs> and one of the and it, you know, and people go further with the Klingons, complaining. Why do the Klingons in Discovery revere the bodies of the dead? Well, in Star Trek Four. Spock is doing his little test in the Vulcan learning pit before he, they go off to 1986. Mm-hmm. And one of the questions he's, he's being bombarded by from the computer is explain this item. And it's, it's, he says Klingon mummification glyph. So oh. at some point, at some point, the Klingons must have been mummifying their dead, right? right. <laughs> Plus, the, there was also a, a Next Gen episode where they, they have this ritual of, of honoring the dead, you know, with their screaming and stuff like that. Right. Well, that's the thing. They scream when they die, but then the body is nothing. That's what it is in Next Generation. Mm-hmm. So that's what the fans were complaining about. Well, why are they revering the body? Because in, in Discovery, we see them screaming to let the spirit you know, enter Stovacor, but at the same time, they're also saving the bodies and having them guard the ship and stuff like that. Right. So, you know, it's a, it's a religious sect, that's all, who had different views on it. When Laurel is locked away in the garbage room on Call's ship, and she sees the, dis- the discarded bodies of her All the bodies, yeah, yeah. She's disgusted. But so obviously, though, Call was throwing them away like they were nothing. So we're, we actually saw both views represented in discovery but fans don't want to see that well quote fans end quote they just want to be like oh you didn't do it the way we've seen it before you can't have everything always be the same because it's boring so you show different ways of looking at things and and this is i think i think the best way to describe this would be when next generation came out if people were complaining why isn't this exactly like toss why isn't everything overblown in colors and why isn't uh why don't we have like really basic morality plays? Why is it so complicated? You know, um, it, it had to be upgraded for the time. And now Discovery is upgraded from that Berman Trek. And I guess the biggest issue is that the Berman Trek lasted for such a long period of time that fans just decide that's what Star Trek is. Well, I'm glad that, the, that at least they took that first season and they ran really, really heavy on the Klingons because I remember that was one of the promises, I, I think, that Enterprise was supposed to be that they were going to really explore how the Federation and the Klingons, they did a little, but then they kind of moved away because I, I guess the ratings were not where they wanted them. So they started exploring other s- subjects. But I, I thought Enterprise was going to be more like that. Right. More of the, the wide explanation of the war and the, the hostilities. But I'm glad they did it at least with Discovery. What's interesting about Enterprise is that if you look online, you can find a lot. I've been thinking about doing an essay on this. What they wanted to do with Enterprise was so different than what they wound up with. I mean, <laughs> we you know we wound up with transporters and we wound up a ship that looks a lot like the Enterprise in, in design with the saucer and everything what we were supposed to have was going to be really nothing at all like what we were familiar with with star trek that was going to evolve into star trek by the time the series ended and that would have been beautiful but the producers actually it wasn't even the producers of the show the producers of the show were all about it it was the uh the, the execs who were like oh no this isn't star trek where's the transporter you need to have that transporter you need to have your phasers you know <laughs> you know so we wound up with enterprise being sort of like a a stale version of what it could have been. And I also remember Enterprise, around the time of 9-11, all of a sudden their storyline had to reflect 9-11. So they did their version of a 9-11 kind of scenario. The Zindi thing, yes. 
Yeah. I wish we had seen some Zindi in Discovery because I thought they were I, – I, I think the season three arc in Enterprise with the whole Zindi thing was – for me, that saved the show because season one and two were kind of stillborn. Season three is where they started to get interesting and season four, if only they had continued at that point because that's when yeah, they were they, that's, Yeah, they pulled the plug by, by the time they got around there. Yeah. Now, let me ask you, how do you feel about the J.J. Abrams Klingons? I mean, I really like their armor. The ones that were in the helmets and everything. The Klingon design itself, it's like they made such a big deal when he pulled the helmet off. And I was like, man, it looks like a Klingon to me. I mean, <laughs> you know, it, it's, it, there's a difference in the design. But I could see that guy hanging out with Worf, you know, it, like like a, a, a slightly no different than an Asian guy hanging out with a European guy. You know, it, it doesn't it didn't seem like a huge drastic difference to me. I saw them closer to to discovery in design than to traditional or what at that moment was traditional wharf kind of design. It's it's like a it's it's like a missing link between the two, you know? Okay. I mean, that's how I see it. I don't think the head's bulbous on that, is it? I'm not sure. It's, I mean, we didn't really get... I mean, we did get a battle scene, I remember, but they uh, they were not really the stars of the show. You know, they, they, weren't, we, they weren't that prominent. Yeah. I'm also a little disappointed that it, at least in the second season of Discovery, we didn't get... I mean, we got a little Klingon in terms of the continuation of what, what's going on, but they were, they were definitely set aside because they wanted to tell a different story the second time around. I have a feeling, well, I mean, when we get to the Section 31 show, we're going to have a lot of Klingon stuff just because... Well of Tyler, you know. Well, yeah, yeah, he's a he's a big he's a big deal here. Now, let me jump a little bit uh, here now to the whole issue of some people like to they're so upset at discovery that they don't even want to think it's the same universe. This being one of the reasons, the technology, the actors, the you know, the, just the the whole thing about it. But can you explain to us a little bit how does, you know, w- what is the prime and what is the Kelvin timelines and how do they touch each other and not touch each other because i just read an article about this new picard show that's coming that they're saying it is definitely in the prime timeline but there are implications from the formation of the kelvin timeline that he has to deal with so where are these two in in relation to each other okay so the prime timeline is the original timeline. It is not a different timeline. It is the original one. There are, aside from the mirror universe, there are two timelines. There's the prime, and then there's the Kelvin. The Kelvin is the one, the J.J. Abrams universe, okay? So in the prime timeline, what Spock is talking in the Abrams movie, the older Spock, the Leonard Nimoy Spock, he is, we, they call him prime Spock and everything else because he's the Spock from the prime universe. Mm-hmm. He's talking about what he did in the prime universe that led him into the Kelvin universe. So, so he's talking about how he tried to stop this supernova that was going to destroy Romulus. And in the process, he got thrown back in time, but not into the prime, into an alternate universe, which was the Kelvin. So everything he talks about in that, about what led him to where he is, and actually Nero and him – they're all from the prime. So that stuff happened in the Star Trek universe that we've known forever. And fans can't seem to grasp this because they're like, but no, that was in the JJ movie. So that's <laughs> no, it's like, no, why would they call him Spock prime then? Seriously? <laughs> it's really simple guys. Stop complicating it. So yeah, all that stuff happened. And there was a comic series that Kurtzman, I think Kurtzman wrote it actually. It was Kurtzman and his partner writer from the 2009 movie. They co-wrote a comic series called countdown. Oh, with all the different, with even the next gen people were in it. Yes, 
Yes. And, yes. and in it, before had become data. And because he, the, the, the data programming that was downloaded into him had inserted itself. And Picard was an admiral. And Picard was leading a rescue effort to Romulus while Spock was trying to stop the supernova. And now all of a sudden we're hearing all this stuff about the Picard show, which seems to indicate that that stuff happened, <laughs> you know? Well, yeah, they, they do talk something about uh, him uh, leading the greatest armada, you know, before he kind of, I guess, retired or something and mm -hmm. something went wrong. You know, okay, well, maybe they're going to go in that direction. Yeah, I mean, it, it's one of the – if you start putting this stuff together – and maybe you want to say spoilers, but this is all this is all guesswork. <laughs> but based on what we've seen, I've seen stuff about the casting, and one of the main characters is supposed to be a young Romulan character who's mm. going to be part of Picard's group. Also, they've said that this is about Picard dealing with the aftermath and the fallout of the destruction of Romulus. And so when the voiceover is talking on the trailer about how 15 years ago you led this uh, armada, that, that mass evacuation armada that saved us. Clearly the person to me talking is a Romulan. Ah. So whatever happened in the evacuation of Romulus, I'm guessing that we lost a bunch of TNG characters. I'm thinking that a lot of the crew died. Well, the, the, the other thing that popped up today, which I'm not sure of how, how true it could be, is that we might have uh, Brent Spiner come back for maybe a show or two. Yeah, no, I've seen that. And people are complaining, but Data, Data died. It's like, <laughs> yeah, but they left that wide open for us in Nemesis. Go watch yes. Nemesis. He's, he's, and before he's singing Data's song. Right. And, <laughs> and Nemesis is all Romulan heavy and the, the connection with Picard and the, his clone and everything, you know, that you, you figure that's where we would pick up his story. 100%. And that's where it's going is people need to realize that that's, this is what it is. I'm sorry. Stop fighting it. <laughs> It happens in the prime timeline, which is the original timeline. The prime timeline is not a different timeline from the original. The way this stuff works is that sometimes when you travel through time, you muck up the original timeline a little bit. It's happened in City Edge or forever. Right, um, right. You know, for, for, a, for a brief minute, the Federation didn't exist. That actually happened in the Deep Space Nine episode, the one where they go back in time to the riots and the, the guy who leads the riots uh, is accidentally killed and Cisco has to be him. Yeah, I don't remember that episode. I mean, I don't remember the name of it. But like for the Defiant, time around them changes, but they were protected by the chronotons, you know, MacGuffin nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> the Johnson Rod. Yeah. yeah, the Johnson Rod broke. Yes, they were protected by whatever kept them. Whatever protected them kept them from being changed, but the timeline changed around them. And when Cisco did what he did, he corrected the timeline. But now pictures of that famous revolutionary guy are all pictures of Cisco because he pretended he was that guy who had accidentally been killed. So that's still the original timeline. That didn't create an offshoot. That just that's the original timeline being changed. In the original timeline, Earth was probably destroyed by that probe in Star Trek Four. But Kirk and oh. Spock went back in time to 86, grabbed some whales and brought them forward. So they altered the timeline. Now, if they don't spend a lot of time on a specific timeline, you are creating basically a multiverse of, of Star Trek uh, world building. Because where, where does the Mirror Mirror Universe fall under this? Is that, is that considered another timeline or that's a completely separate phenomenon? The mirror universe is not an altering of our own universe. It's a parallel universe. But if you go back enough on that universe, do you reach a point where it's exactly like ours or it will always be different no matter how far back you go? I mean, that's a good question. That, that's a really good question because the way I had always looked at it in the past was that Nero 
going and destroying the Kelvin is what changed that timeline. But then Simon Pegg yeah. was talking about how that did not only affect moving forward, but ripples moved backwards in time, which changed time as well in the Kelvin. <sighs> So, yeah, but who cares what Simon Pegg says? <laughs> <laughs> well, Simon Pegg was writing the third movie, so. Damn it! <laughs> that's why I care. And I actually kind of like the dude. <laughs> that's funny, though. Um, oh, man. But, you know, so it's there's different ways to look at it. But It's like the, what happens in the Kelvin doesn't affect the Prime. What happens in the Prime doesn't affect the Kelvin unless right. somebody crosses over. Right. So, you know, just like in Mary Universe, if Cronus was destroyed by... Uh, Empress Jojo in Discovery, Discovery says that in the Mirror Universe, that's what happened. Doesn't mm. affect the, the Kronos hanging out in, in the Prime Universe. It's still there. So you know. Now, here's a question for you. A little bit of a spoiler alert. Okay. Discovery, season two, at the last episode, the ship is going to jump forward quite a big chunk of time. Does this mean that this next season, if they do spend the entire season in the destination where they're heading, which is like, I think they said 900 and I don't know how many years. 950. Are we now creating a new timeline? I guess it might depend on whether or not they return. I don't think they're going to return. I think Empress Giorgio is going to return because she has to be there for- For the other show. Yeah, which, you know, she said that they were going to be done filming season three- of Discovery before Section 31 started. And when she said that, I thought, actors get confused. She means season two. But clearly, no. She meant season three. <laughs> so hmm. so you know, I don't think the ship is coming back. I think that they decided, fine. You crybabies are complaining that we're not exploring the future. We're going to the future. Now shut the hell up. <laughs> See, I, I hate that. I hate th If that's true, I hate that. Because I like what they were doing. I like that they were in this universe and they were interacting with everything. But well, think know. of it this way. Think of it this way, okay? We definitely are getting Section 31. I think that's clear, okay? Section 31 is going to take place in the time that Discovery was in Season 1 and 2. So you're still going to get that. And the crybabies. Yes. But <laughs> the crybabies can't complain about Discovery anymore. <laughs> oh, oh, like they're going to stop complaining. You I know, really I think don't. they're going to start complaining. But in addition to that, you got to ask yourself, that wasn't a redress, the Enterprise Bridge. That was a brand new set, and it was pretty functional. Why did they spend the money on that? Well, for a whole <laughs> season, to use it for an entire season, what, I the, mean, I, I, the Enterprise Bridge? It was only, yeah. it was only in the last episode. Uh, well, yeah, they did, a, they did spend most of the time at the Discovery. Yeah, that, that, that bridge set itself was only appeared in the finale, and it was a very expensive bridge set that they built. Now, do you think there's going to be a connection to the short trek that takes place a thousand years later? I think so. I think that there were hints dropped in there because I really thought the short treks were going to have absolutely nothing to do with. But they, they connected a lot yeah. of them. The only one that – I mean, well, at this point, two of them – there were four short treks, right? I think so, four. Okay, so half of them have connected already. The only two left are the one that's a thousand years in the future and the Harry yep. Mudd one. The Harry Mudd one can't connect. I can't see no, how but, it's, but at least it's a character we've already seen interacting with everybody, so we kind of know what he's... It's not like it's completely a separate story that is completely new characters. No, he was already an existing character, at least. Right, and I think what they realized is that they really enjoyed him, and they had no room for him in season two, so they wanted to give him <laughs> something, you know? I wouldn't be surprised if we wind up seeing a hell of a lot of him on section 31. Hmm. But, yeah, no, totally, I, think, I think there were cues set up in that, which we're going to see unfold in the next season of Discovery.
Now, before we jump to the subject of the Orville, I want to throw one more Star Trek gripe that people were griping about until the last episode. And that is, is control related, do you think, to the Borg? No! (laughs) (laughs) Well, how do you really feel about it? (laughs) I I hate every time that comes up. Oh my God, it's so ridiculous. I mean, here, look, you want, if you really need to connect it, and I don't mean you yes. personally, I mean, you know, yes. fans out there, if you really need to connect it, here's your connection, okay? In First Contact, uh-huh. the Borg sphere blows up, okay, over Earth. In Enterprise, we find out that Borg bodies from that explosion were laying in the Antarctic, okay? So we, those, those Borg were reactivated in Enterprise and tried to get away, and Enterprise winds up blowing them up, Okay. So mm-hmm. if you really want a Borg connection, whatever data they got from the Borg there, Section 31 had classified and Control used the idea of nanoprobes to reconfigure people. They got that from the Borg. That's the only connection I can see. They did not create – Section 31 and Control did not create the Borg. If they had created – if the Borg had been – or if its origin had been Control – Humanity wouldn't be species 5,000, whatever they are, mm. to the Borg. And didn't, didn't Guinan at one episode or in the movie say something about, like, we've encountered them a thousand years ago or something like that, and they destroyed mm. us or something? Yeah, well, in the beginning of Generations, which takes place with the Enterprise B time, her right. people had been on a trek. Those refugee ships had escaped the destruction of their planet. Um, right. so, so it was destroyed probably around, around the time of Toss, maybe Toss movies. But it says in Voyager that they existed in the 1600s because there's this guy saying 900 years ago, my culture was destroyed by the Borg and whatever. And if you add it up, it's like, okay, so the Borg were around in the 1600s. So (laughs) it's never been, it's never, no controls, not the Borg. Get over it. (laughs) Even though that, that the Borg are capable at times of, of traveling through time. Well, yes, they're capable of traveling through time, but here's the thing. Control had no interest in assimilating. They wanted to destroy all organic life. That's yeah. the thing that Spock saw. All That's organic different. life destroyed, not assimilated. So if it was a Borg future he was seeing, he would have seen similar to what in First Borg, Contact they saw. Yeah, Borg cities and Borg yep. Empire or yep. something. No, instead they saw everything wiped out. So, no, it, not the Borg. Okay, so – since you seem to hate Star Trek so much, how come you feel that the Orville is the best Star Trek show around, Andrew? Uh. <laughs> well, first, let me ask you, do you like the Orville? I did not like it when it started. I like it very much now. When it started, that Seth MacFarlane humor was so out of place. Mm. At this point, okay, here, we have an almost next generation story. Remember? Actually, I think I remember seeing this next generation episode, so they're copying it. Oh, dick and fart <laughs> joke. You know, that's the way it was when it was first started. And I was like, can we stop, please? I felt like it was like you could feel the gears changing between comedy and serious, and it was such a abrupt change between the two mm-hmm. that it's like, okay, Family Guy and the little Star Trek, and a little Family Guy and a little Galaxy Quest and a little Family Guy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was... But then, yeah, it took a while to warm up. One of the changing points I see is when they realized Lamar needed to stop being a stereotype. He, you know, he went from saying, yo, bitch, I got you on the bridge to being like Mm -hmm. the smartest guy on the ship. And I was like, "Okay, thank you. Thank you for making him the smartest guy on the ship. Thank you for making that have been an insecurity thing that he was putting forth because he was insecure about his smartness. Now, all of a sudden, mm. I feel like we're, we're watching something serious here instead of just this nonsense. 
well, the, the, it is more serious, but they do obviously they have to throw in their jokes because that's that's the formula they have now. But it they 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 kind of smoothed it out a little bit. The jokes have been funny mostly. I mean, you know, I, it, at the very least, I haven't felt like I've been thrown out by the jokes anymore. Okay, you know, it's definitely getting more organic as it goes, and I really enjoyed a lot of the second season. The cell phone episode, yep, yep, was killing me. It was pulling heartstrings, you know, uh, and that's what this should do. It was good. And I'm putting this in quotes. It was good Star Trek. It is not Star Trek, though. <laughs> <laughs> but why do you think uh, some people are, I mean, I have my own theories. You know, I have my theories that some people who, who dislike Discovery so much gravitate so much towards this show and give it so much praise. Because they don't like change. <laughs> and the format that the Orville is is familiar to them. And it feels like next generation or anything them. But the thing is, is that there's so much about the Orville that is so not what Gene would have wanted and so not what any of the Star Trek producers would have intended. And also the comedy styles of McFarlane and his messages are, they're beating, I mean, if you think Star Trek beats you over the head with a message, this one really beats you over the head with a message. Yep, yeah. So you figure they would run away in the opposite direction because of the message. What people need to understand more than anything is that it can never be Star Trek, nor does it want to be. It wants to reach an audience that wants to remember those things. But it also wants to be its own thing. Because if it was Star Trek, it would either then be owned by CBS or they would be sued. And they mm. don't want either of those things. <laughs> yeah, they gotta be, yeah, they do have to be very careful because uh, you can tell. If you, if you go a little overboard, they'll, the lawyers will just come down on them. Yep. And it's just <laughs> Seth. From what I understand, Seth had pitched a new Star Trek show. This was a few years ago, back in it was wow. like 2012. It was before the J.J. movie. There was a bunch of people pitching Star Trek shows back then. And Michael Straczynski was one of them. Wow. Yeah. No, you can find these things on the internet. And there was somebody else who had done something that was supposed to be an animated series. And that was <laughs> the one that got the furthest along. And it was, it was set like a thousand years in the future. And like space was all messed up by the, you know how Next Generation that said warp engines were destroying subspace? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so mm -hmm. you could not travel with warp through certain areas and stuff like that. And the Federation was falling apart. And that one, that was the one that actually got the furthest to, towards being made, but then was shut down also. Because wow. as soon as JJ came on board, they were like, yeah, no, we're doing this. Because <laughs> financially, yeah, that makes sense. Well, down the line, we are going to get another animated show, they said. Yes. And, but unfortunately, you know, I'm disappointed that they, it looks like they're abandoning the Khan uh, miniseries somewhat. Okay, so two things to discuss the Khan thing real quickly. From what I understand from what Nicholas Meyer is saying is that they couldn't justify the cost for just the mm. miniseries. So unless they could find a way to turn it into an ongoing series that was going to last at least two years, Oof. then it's not worth the cost of the sets and everything. Wow. Yeah. So that, that's the impression I've gotten from that, from hearing him talk about it. But back to McFarlane, he had pitched a Star Trek show and it was, you know, declined, but he didn't want to let it go. So he created the Orville based on probably what he wanted to do with the other thing. So he created a show that was in the vein of Star Trek because he couldn't do Star Trek. And I understand this because I've created stuff many times that didn't get to go where it was supposed to with a licensor. And so, you know, you, the, the expression is you file off the serial numbers and you turn it into your own property. And that's what the Orville is. It's his own thing. That is very Star Trek inspired. But people who think it's more Star Trek than Star Trek, no, you can't do that. The only thing that can be Star Trek is Star Trek. 
Well, he's very lucky also that there's a lot of ex-Star Trek cast members that are, you know, they guest star every now and then on the show. So that's pretty cool. Well, I mean, they're not going to say no to money, first of all. (laughs) (laughs) Second of all, it's like, you know, any people using that as a defense, why it's better. Jonathan Franks is directing show episodes of both. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) No, you know. People who complain about the look at Discovery and like the action and everything. Jonathan Franks directed that episode, people. The same guy who directed First Contact and Insurrection. (laughs) 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 You know, um, so it's like, no, it's not. You can't. No. (laughs) That's all I can say. These people understand that these things are two different things and they're good. And Franks is going to adapt his directing style to fit the property and Discovery it's supposed to look the way it does, and and the Orville's supposed to look the way it does, and they're two very different looks. But the Orville, I think the best way to describe when when I was saying before about how people would have if people had wanted Toss in a new a new series of Toss when Next Generation came out, uh-huh. that's the best way to look at the Orville. The Orville is the Next Generations come out and people in the world of the internet, Next Generation suddenly happens. People hate it; they're complaining, and then this show called The Orville comes out, and it's it's exactly like Toss used to be. It's exactly like the original series, yeah. and people are like, "Well, that's more Star Trek than the Next Generation is." That, <laughs> you know, it's it, it's cashing in on people's nostalgia of that, but at the same time, that's how it got made. It's becoming its own thing now. Yeah, he's not going to turn away people, obviously. That's that's the formula he wants to use. But yeah, I do see him, you know, I, I do seem to see his voice more than just, you know, the carbon copy, easy combination of Family Guy Star Trek. Now it's kind of becoming its own thing. It had, I think it had to be what it was in order to convince the studios to do it. Hmm. You know, because it's like you walk into this executive offices and you say, hey, the new Star Trek is not at all what people are going to like. We can get those people. Plus, we can do get the Family Guy crowd. We can't lose. And I can see studio execs, I understand this. <laughs> I see the dollar signs. Okay, we'll do it. And then it's done, and it's kind of crappy, but it's still reaching those people that it was wanted to originally. But, you know, how many people is it really reaching? Because I, from what I understand, the ratings weren't really that great. You know, they, they didn't think they were going to get a season three. No, finally they had the announcement, and I guess they were they were like waiting on on edge of their seat because they they hadn't announced anything yet. Yeah, I mean Discovery was not in question for a season three, and that's because of the way streaming is done. If the Orville was on streaming, it wouldn't have been in question for a season mm-hmm. three. I'm not saying the Orville sucks. I'm saying that there's a smart reason why Discovery was put on a pay for view thing because they can ensure that it's going to get done that way. Mm. You know, another thing people are saying. Because Amazon Prime has the foreign distribution rights now for season three, when originally Netflix had season one and two. Netflix, yeah, yeah. So I, I leave. I keep seeing no one's reading the articles, but the article comes up with that name saying, you know, Amazon Prime now going to do Discovery, and people are like, I guess Netflix passed on it then, huh? No. The show is over. <laughs> no, Amazon Prime offered more money, dumbass. <laughs> seriously that's what it comes down to they're going to take whatever money they can get you know and if amazon prime was like hey you know our numbers of star trek viewers is going up maybe we should pay the money to get this show on our network we can't have it on in the u.s but we can get it foreign <laughs> it's all business that's all it is and if the orville i would like to think that if the orville was canceled it would wind up being a hulu exclusive oh 
And weren't they also saying something about Hulu might be folded into Disney Plus or something? Yeah. And they were looking into buying it or something? Well, they own it now. They control it completely. Oh, they did? They, yeah. They, yeah they, it was like, a, I think last month it said that now oh, they geez. control Hulu completely. I don't think they're going to close it, though. I think they're going to no, use it. No, because if you close, you can't combine, you can't combine the two and ask people to pay more. They rather, they probably make more money by just keeping it going and having people pay on the side. Yeah. You have, and you use each one as a different content distributor um when disney disney owned touchstone and touchstone was doing rating r movies they were never going to make that be a disney movie but it could yeah. be a touchstone movie yeah. you know it's 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 a different distribution channel and i think it works now with all the different shows that we just mentioned that are still coming associated with trek you think that there's going to be any relief in the way in terms of people not reacting in this manner? Or do you think this is a trend we have now to deal with, whether it's a Twitter feed or a Facebook page or whatever it is you're dealing with, of people just completely losing their mind, you know, and attacking each other or, or attacking, you know, people that are fans of the show as a regular thing now? It's just like normal discourse. It's normal discourse. It's going to keep going on. But at the same time, I think the Picard show is a brilliant move because it's going to shut a lot of people up, mm. especially if we see a Klingon that looks the way they did in Next Generation times, <laughs> then people are going to shut the hell up completely. But even still with that, it's like I saw some really nasty things show up in the groups. It's like someone posted the trailer for Picard and some people were like, you should quote Star Trek old guy. Oh, I'm like, are you kidding me? Show some respect. <laughs> Star Trek old guy. What's wrong with you? So, you know, it's there's always going to be jerks. There are always going to be people who find a way to complain about something. And unfortunately, this new brave world that we live in, which is the interwebs, allows that to just happen. <laughs> One final thing I want to throw at you, and that is another thing that people were throwing around the idea, which I think it, it could be a, it's a positive compliment, is unless it's kind of like we like this better than that. People really liked Pike. And his number one, and, and even Spock to a certain extent, and there was, again, the chatter going around is, why can't we create a series out of those guys? Any thoughts on that? I mean, that ties back to what I was saying before about how it's interesting that they spent all that money to build the Enterprise Bridge. Mm. Um, <laughs> I think that they were, I don't know. Look, first, first of all, there's no reason why they couldn't have just redressed the Discovery Bridge. They could have, I mean, because the Discovery, I mean, the Section 31 bridge is a redress of the Shinzo bridge. Okay. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it doesn't look anything like it. Huh. Yeah. With that two-level thing and everything. Yeah. That's, that yeah. was the Shinzo bridge, apparently. So there's no reason why they couldn't have done a redress. But instead, they decided to go this route and build this whole new thing, which means they decided to invest in it. So I think that they were seeing that Pike was so popular. And they were thinking, maybe we'll do this show. And if we don't, we'll use this bridge for Section 31. You think it's going to show up again? Yeah, the bridge is going to show up one way or the other. Either it's going to, either there's going to be, you know, they're going to use it as a generic Starfleet bridge for Section 31. Or it's going to be the Enterprise bridge for, for Pike. I, I think if they don't do a Pike show, it's a terrible missed opportunity. Too many people were excited about that. Even the people, a lot of people who didn't like Discovery were like, well, I want that show. So <laughs> let's have that show. It's a great idea. Or even a guest, like you said, maybe he can do, you know, th a three, four, five episode arc on the other show. Uh, maybe we'll see eventually his, his, his accident, you know, the, the, that vision that he had of, of how he will become disabled. You know, maybe we'll get to that point. Yeah. And actually, you know, you just made me think of something. If we look at the whole reason why it's not cost effective to do a con miniseries. It's because they don't want to build the sets and everything. But if the Enterprise Bridge set is built already and they have everything they were already using for Discovery Era, 
they don't need to build anything new to do a Pike miniseries. <laughs> so it's ent- entirely possible we could wind up with that at least. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. All right, well, thank you, Andrew, <laughs> for yeah. going through all this because it's 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 kind of like you have to – it's like you're bringing people back to class and you're like, okay, we start over here, we move over there. Uh, you know, you tra- it's, it's almost like you're a lawyer presenting your case in a court and you hope that people understand how these things are connected and how they, they do work, they function. But, you know, if you're set in your ways, nothing is going to please you. But, uh, I mean, I don't know, uh, may- maybe I, – I don't think I like everything, but – I'm really happy with the show. Again, the cinematic feel that I, I mean, they had these battles, uh, this last season. I was actually sitting, you know, at the edge of my, you know, the, the term at the edge of your seat. That's exactly how I was sitting. Cause I'm like, wow, this is like being in the movie theater. It yeah. was incredible. No, I totally agree. And, you know, just to show that I'm not a complete, you know, corporate shell or shill, whatever. Shill. <laughs> yeah. Corporate <laughs> the word shill. you're looking for is shill. Yeah. <laughs> I actually have some issues. With some of the choices they made in that finale. Does it make mm. me not like Discovery? No, it doesn't. I still love Discovery. But I think there could have been a more logical way that the Admiral had to die because uh-huh. they could have at some, least. Yeah, I've heard that before. Yeah, yeah. They should have at least tried to beam her out and it failed. There's no reason why they couldn't have propped something under the door. <laughs> they, yeah. they could have propped something under the door and the door could have come down with such weight it just split the thing in half. You know, anything to make it so that, no, this can't happen. And Pike just standing on the other side when it all blows up without him like being affected by anything. It was just it, some ridiculous things there, especially when they went out of their way to show those bots that pop out of the hull and, and work on the ship. Why not just have one of them, uh, you know, close Come the door? <laughs> yeah. My only pet peeve I had with the show was uh, obviously, well, I, I, I could have used a little more Klingons, but I understand they're different season, different themes. I get it. But there was an episode, I don't know if it was the second to last or the third to last or something like that, where it was kind of like, we love each other and we're all saying goodbye to each other. And it was a whole episode of basically saying goodbye because we might die. And it's like... I understand that, but I think it's just they spent too much time. They wasted a whole episode just everybody loving each other and saying goodbye. Right. And then and then Amanda and, and Sarek managed to find the ship that nobody can find to come say goodbye yeah, in person. They, like, they should have <laughs> kind of worked it into the show somehow. You know, yeah. they, they, it felt like a, a pause. Like, we, we just hit a pause here. What's going on? But – Again, I can't wait for the next one. I'm I'm hoping that I'm pretty sure somebody told me they are going to do more short treks. So yes. uh, yeah, well, they were we'll su- see. they were successful, and it's a cheap way to keep people renewing their subscriptions. Yeah. So. <laughs> oh yeah, so, yeah. So so once again, Andrew, thank you for your insight. And uh, as soon as I have a a, a new topic, uh, I hope you can help us hit it again. Yeah, no, totally. And if anybody wants to read the essays that prompted you. To want to oh, discuss I'll, this. I'll, I'll include the links. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, roguereviewer.wordpress.com. But yeah, please put the links on the thing too. That'd be great. Great. Thanks, Andrew. Thank you so much. All right. I hope you guys enjoyed today's show. I'd like to thank Andrew, as usual, for joining me and going into this particular subject that we seem to be kind of going in circles sometimes in terms of trying to explain how it is that this show progresses and changes. One of the things that I like to note is that since the show was recorded, we've seen the new trailer, the full trailer for the Picard series. And we were theorizing on where the show will go. And based on that trailer, I think we were kind of half right 
or at least we kind of had half of the theme of the show, the Romulan side of that show. Granted, with this trailer now that we've seen through Comic-Con, there's also a Borg aspect of the show, but it is very, very exciting what I've been seeing so far. And hopefully we will have Andrew here once again to talk about Star Trek once this new show and some of these other Star Trek properties that are coming, including the new season of Discovery, the short treks that are going to be pretty heavy with Captain Pike, which, again, we were theorizing of, are we going to see more of Pike and the Enterprise? So we got lots of good Trek on its way and can't wait to talk about it with you guys. So on behalf of everybody here, thank you for listening and we will see you soon here at GeekFest Rants. Bye-bye, everybody. Captain Starlog Supplemental. Admiral Krell has convinced the High Council to call off their sterilization program. They promised to distribute Phlox's cure throughout the Empire. There's no trace of the virus in your bloodstream. My Targ won't even recognize me. In the future, it may be possible to reverse the uh, cosmetic effects. I suppose this is what I deserve. Millions of my people will have to live with this disfigurement. It'll be passed on to our children. Life won't be easy for us. You did your best to correct your mistakes. That's all we can ask of ourselves. I doubt my superiors will allow me to remain in my position. I'll need to find a new specialty. Perhaps cranial reconstruction. I have a feeling that's about to become very popular. Bottle of B, boys, and don't ask for Ractagino. If I have to say we don't carry Who that one a more time. The Klingons. Klingons? Over there and over there. Those are Klingons? All right. The boys have had enough. Mr. War? They are Klingons. And it is a long story. What happened? Some kind of genetic engineering? A viral mutation? We do not discuss it with outsiders. If you would like to subscribe to our show, send us messages, or see video links to some of the topics we talked about today, please visit our homepage at geekfestrants.com or our YouTube channel, Facebook page, or iTunes at Geekfest Rants. I don't know what we're yelling about! Geekfest Rants is produced by Carlos Perone, copyright 2019. This broadcast is part of the IC Robots radio network. Visit icrobots.com for this and many other nerd slash nostalgia related podcasts. You won't be sorry for long. <laughs>